630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Back to McDavid, who earlier tonight scored his 30th. One-timer cleft bomb, rebound, score! Milan Lucic with his third career hat-trick, and it's unnatural, Hattie! He'll swing it out to the outside, and it is to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimos! Darrell Walker with the touchdown, and the Eskimos take the lead with less than a minute to go. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. The next opponent for your Edmonton Oilers is the Philadelphia Flyers. The Flyers playing tonight in Calgary. Game starts in about an hour. You probably know the story with Philly. 0-5-5 in their last 10. They could do the Oilers a favor by breaking their slump against Calgary tonight. Also, coming up in a few minutes, Bruins take on the Predators. Already underway, Capitals lead the Sharks. 1-0 early in the second period. Devontae Smith-Pelly has the goal. Islanders and Panthers 1-1 late in the first. Anders Lee, his 16th for the Islanders. Keith Yandel, his fourth for Florida. Monday Night Football, Pittsburgh and Cincinnati not quite underway. Well, how was your game viewing experience Saturday night? Perhaps the most leisurely and most tension-filled Oilers viewing experience of the season. Here's a turnover by goaltender Riddich, and it's tapped in. Beautiful backdoor read by Patrick Maroon. Took it off Riddich's stick and backhanded it home to greet the relief netminder. It is now 6-1 Edmonton. Shot through Laurent Brassois by Sam Bennett. His second goal of the year. And somehow that got behind the Edmonton goaltender. Here's Gaudreau catching a pass left wing. Shoots and scores! Lucic almost catches Riddich leaving the ice. Sent it ahead for Nugent Hopkins. Back in front, deflected home by Brody. A centering pass was inadvertently deflected home by TJ Brody. And you talk about irony. On Thursday night, Chris Russell, a former flame, deflected, or I should say shot a puck into his own net. And now two nights later, Brody inadvertently in his own net. Edmonton catches a break. That's how Jack Michaels called some of the key plays in the Oilers' 7-5 win over Calgary on Saturday night. The Oilers have won six straight against the Flames, tying the longest winning streak they've had against Calgary ever. They beat them six times in a row, twice in the 1980s. Calgary once beat Edmonton nine times in a row. But that aside, the Patrick Maroon tap-in goal Yeah, a little bit of icing on the cake. Turned out to be the game winner, and the two Calgary goals we played for you were the two from basically almost right along the icing line. Sam Bennett in the corner fires it on net, and it squeaks in, and then Johnny Goudreau got forced wide by Matthew Benning. I thought a pretty well-defended play, and just before he starts to dart behind the net, Goudreau throws it on net, and in it goes. So Brassois was having a good night, 
wound up making 29 saves on 34 shots for just an 8.53 save percentage, but certainly those two goals the most concerning. Brassois working at practice today and was willing to talk about what happened Saturday night. That it's a good learning curve. Um, I assessed the game honestly. Uh, there's goals I, I wasn't happy with. I wouldn't be in the league if those are goals that I'm happy with. And, uh, you know, I played, played the score and, and lesson was learned and, I, and I'm moving on and I'm, I'll be better for it. All right. Well, certainly he's going to have to be. I, I mean, the Oilers are without Cam Talbot, but that should have been. I mean, they, they played really well against Calgary, and I don't even think they sat back that much. There was maybe a little bit in the third period, but you're not going to push as hard when you're up 5-1, 6-1, but just two goals that should not go in. I know Rob Brown said on overtime open line after the game, every once in a while, any goaltender is going to have one sneak in short side. It will happen. It should not happen twice in the same period, regardless of the score. So luckily, the Oilers hang on to win. Todd McClellan saying, what happens with Brassois now? Well, he just has to work at practice with Dustin Schwartz, the goalie coach. First thing is the relationship between that position and coach. Um, it's a lot closer because there's only two of them. And um, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking more about Dustin Schwartz. They meet every day. Uh, they talk about the emotional level, the physical level that it takes to play that position. And then they go into their uh, their breakdown and their technique. And, and all of that is meant to improve um, the goaltender, um, but not just positionally, also build up his confidence. Um, you know, certainly rebuilding LB right now is, is one of our goals. Um, it's not like he's completely broken, but we got to make sure that he gets a little bit of confidence and it starts there. We created uh, a number of drills in practice today that I think addressed some of uh, LB's needs or our goaltending needs and uh, it should also help us offensively. So we tied that in as well. And um, we got one more day to, to polish, as I said, that position and everybody else is up. Todd McClellan would not name his starting goaltender for Wednesday against the Flyers. Personally, I, I would find it a stretch that he would throw Nick Ellis into that game. And the Oilers still won the game. Look, we, we know that Brassois gave up two really bad goals. They still won the game. So you, at least you get that feedback that in the end, the Oilers got out of there with enough to win. Um, there aren't a lot of, I mean, it's him or Ellis. So are, are you going to play a guy who has been very up and down in his NHL career? Or are you going to throw in a guy who has no NHL career coming off a, a win? I, I would think that they will stick with LB assuming that he works hard in practice and there's no reason to think that he wouldn't be. Everybody asking me, are they going to get a goaltender? I don't think they'll get one for Wednesday. If Brassois has a bad outing on Wednesday, well, then maybe something's going to happen. I know Frank Saravelli on TSN wrote top five potential targets for the Oilers in goal. Tell me if you're doing cartwheels over any of these guys. Chad Johnson in Buffalo, Michael Hutchinson in Winnipeg, Michael Neuvert in Philadelphia, Calvin Pickard in Toronto, Peter Morazic in Detroit. Uh, kind of a collection of guys who have had good spurts in the NHL but are clearly backups or top minor leaguers. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they wouldn't be an improvement, uh, but then you have to factor in what would you be willing to give up for one of those players. Brassois did say his teammates have been great you know that was uh that was one of the positive things um you know we did get the win and and uh and they all 
you know they were um, sympathetic to to the way I played and and they knew that you know I'd be hard on myself and and, and I was so they they are very supportive and and they helped uh, help me move on from it for sure. All right, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio six thirty. Chad, you can also text six thirty six thirty. You'll hear a little bit from Brandon Davidson. Wow, I was uh, Brandon Davidson. You know, we've known for a while, and I know he's a pretty upbeat and positive guy. But even in that context, I was a little surprised at how thrilled he was to once again be an Edmonton Oiler today. You'll also hear from Nathan Walker, the Australian first practice with the Oilers. Bill's on the line. Hi, Bill. Hey, Reed. I was just thinking, uh, we, were, we were talking about it this weekend, and we were wondering if, if uh, Talbot was going down that road of, of Dubik, of the one bad goal per game. And now we're really kind of starting to feel shaky about that same thing happening with, with Francois. Have you... Have you had that feeling at all before, or that, like, uh-oh, here we go again feeling? With Talbot? With, well, with Talbot, we were, uh, we were starting to feel that near the, uh, near the good start of the year, and actually even, even more recently with, like, that one bad goal per game. Dubnik was probably at about one and a half, but uh, for was obviously quite a bit over that uh, recently. So. Yes. Sure uh, well, here's, here's how I feel about Talbot, Bill, and thanks for calling. We've, unfortunately, we've seen Talbot start season slowly in the past, and we've usually seen him recover. I mean, he wasn't very good for the first part of his first season as an Oiler. He had a bad, uh, was it third game of the year last year against Buffalo and then was pretty good. One thing I hear about Camp Talbot from his teammates is is that he is an extremely hard worker and that he will always work on refining and polishing his game. I think it took him longer than you'd like to get it going this year, but I thought his last three starts have been pretty good. So... I've started to feel, had Talbot been healthy, that, that maybe he'd work through some of the issues. So, yeah, I mean, comparisons to Dubnik, I don't know. I mean, Dubnik was actually pretty good during the lockout-shortened season, and then he completely went to pot the start of the next year and eventually got traded. Brian's online, too. Hey, Brian. Um, happy to see Brandon back. I think that's going to help the defense a bit. And do you want uh, to watch the NFL much? Sometimes I watched the entire Sunday nighter yesterday, but I didn't watch anything else. Oh, what do you think of Gronk getting one game? Oh, I, I did see that. Well, absolutely, he should be suspended for it. Yeah, what do you think? Oh, he should have been more than that because that's like intense injury five yards away. Thank you very much. Okay, appreciate it, Brian. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You will hear from Brandon Davidson when we get back. Inside Sports on six thirty, Chet. Donate a toy today and make Christmas come true for 25,000 less fortunate kids through 630Chad Santa's Anonymous. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630Chad. Alright, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Inside Sports on 630Chad. Uh, this texter says uh, Talbot's last three games were only not terrible. Let's call a spade a spade. He's been a terrible starting goaltender for any team. His 900 percentage illustrates this clearly. There's no such thing as any potential contending hockey team being successful with how middling he's played this year. 
if he were a hockey player on the team, his rating would be equal to that of perhaps a Strom. All right, that's a text to 630-630, who I guess wants to give up on Cam Talbot. He'll never be good again. Talbot hasn't had a good season. His save percentage is uh, much below his average. I think you got to let him keep going. I mean, that's the, you got to hope he's back as soon as he can be. And that then he's able to play like or very close to the guy who we saw last season. Oilers and Flyers coming up on Wednesday, 5.30 for the face-off show. Game will start at 7. Furnace Family Oilers Hockey. Edmonton's Furnace Replacement Experts. Call 7804-FAMILY or visit FurnaceFamily.com. Quiet week for the Oilers. Just the one game on a weekday. And then they're at Montreal and Toronto Saturday and Sunday. That's going to be a fun weekend. Brandon Davidson is back. Claimed off waivers from the Canadians. Remember, the Oilers traded him to Montreal back on February 28th for David DeHarnay. And uh, Davidson all smiles after practice. I haven't quit smiling since I heard the news. Um, I was uh, more than happy to... uh to come here I think that uh, looking back this is uh, really where I've always wanted to be and I think that um, moving forward uh, you know there's a lot of opportunity here for me still and um, I do feel like uh, you know this is home this is where my comfort is and and, uh, it's easy to walk in here today and see all the faces and and see all the coaches and and, uh, really just uh, get off to a good start for I think most players can talk about confidence and and how uh, comfortable they can feel on the ice and I think that's that's something I'd lost Um, not something that been gone but uh, something that I've lost and um, I think that uh, it's uh, you know being home really kind of gives me that uh, comfortability and and really kind of puts me back in my place. What is it that makes this feel like home or what what did you miss? Um, I've been here for I think this will be my eighth year now um, with the Edmonton organization. Um, I've been doing this for such a long time that um, um, everything comes easy for me here. I think that um, uh, there's familiarity with uh, the systems, with uh, the people, and um, that really kind of contributes just to, uh, you know, the impact I can have uh, on the ice. Brandon Davidson originally drafted by the Oilers back in the sixth round, 162nd overall in 2010. He's now 26. He's played 91 of his NHL games with Edmonton, 23 more with Montreal. Basically played in about half of Montreal's games this season. Had been scratched the last five. Hasn't been in a game since November 22nd. Obviously, I mean, I, like I said, I, I was pleasantly surprised at how happy he is to be back in Edmonton and back with the Oilers. It's certainly, he feels like this is home for him. Uh, I mean, look, Brandon Davidson, like I said when he was traded, he's a depth, depth defenseman. He had a really good burst couple of years ago when uh, Oscar Clefbaum was out he stepped up and played well I think he's in the neighborhood of being a 5-6-7 with uh, OV2 Griba and and himself I I think he uh, skates better than Griba I don't think he's quite as physical so you get a little bit of from uh, one guy and a little bit something else from another guy OV2 I'm still not sure what to think of because he's played some really good games he sure can roam around the ice sometimes I think he might be playing forward but they know Davidson. He wants to be here. He can help with depth. That's what they're looking for right now while Larson's out and until Secker gets back as well. We have Coach on line one. Hi, Coach. Hey, Reed. How you doing? Good. Uh, hey, so is this, can we read into this picking up uh, Davidson? Is Larson's injury longer than expected? or? I didn't get that impression because McClellan, I mean, now Larson did not practice today, nor did Connor McDavid, by the way, but McClellan said he's sick. 
I, I with Larson, it sounded like last week that he was even hopeful maybe he could come back for Wednesday because the injured reserve would be retroactive to Tuesday's game against Arizona. So it, it, Larson's injury didn't sound that serious, and McClellan just kind of said we got to wait and see if he can practice tomorrow. So now, now we got a plethora of defensemen on uh, back there. I mean, yep. with the V two, and then, uh, and, and I, you know, with contracts as well. What are we sitting at with contracts now with Walker? Uh, I believe they're up to forty nine now. So you could see. I mean, there's tons of rumors about Pakarinen and Slepeshev. You're not going to get a whole bunch for those. If you if you traded them for a draft pick so you didn't have to get a contract back, I think we can probably make a couple educated guesses on what round it would be, right? Wouldn't be one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> wouldn't be two, right? So yeah. so there you go. I, I, I mean, I wonder if... It, I mean, here's the thing. Davidson's back. Could he be waived again down the road once everybody's healthy? Could Ovi two possibly be waived at some point? I don't know if they'd be claimed or not, but they could be waived and sent down. Yeah, that's that's an option, I guess. I mean, I I don't know. If you could waive them, but uh, one thing that kind of stuck out to me is they maybe just because. Well, I think Clefbaum was out earlier when they got a chance to claim uh, Reinhardt back, and uh, I just think it kind of says something about Davidson that they uh, you know they did claim him and, and not a guy like Reinhardt. Well, I never thought of it that way. That's that's a that's a fair point. And Davidson sure wants to be here. So look, I, I like I said, I, I think I think some of us, probably me included, got a little bit too high on him given how he played a couple of years ago. But if he comes in, adds steadiness and depth, then that's that's fine because they got to weather some of this storm here. And if they got an inexperienced goalie in there, they need guys who are just willing to get the puck. Like he gets the puck up ice better than Griba. Would you say that? Yeah. Right. Yep, for sure. So I, I think I think Grab is going to be the the seventh defenseman, regardless. I think it's probably a V two that uh, gets moved or, like you say, gets thrown down. But uh, uh, just have nice having a you know the seventh guy being a bigger body and, and brings a different aspect to the to the team. Well, that's a good point too. I think he brings a different aspect, certainly than OV two. And I, I think he's like I said, I think he's better moving the puck than Grab. Thanks, coach. Thank you. All right, Elvis and Rob up next on the open line. We'll also bring in a pretty interesting guy, great history in football, June Jones, who has gone from interim to the permanent coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. All ahead on Inside Sports. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. Oh, there's some classic poison. Thank you, Kellen Kennedy. 6.34 is the time of day. NHL Capitals up 2-1 on the Sharks. Late second period. Early second period. Islanders and Panthers tied 1-1. Eight minutes left in the first. Predators up 1-0 on the Bruins. Still to come. Flyers in flames. Flyers 0-5-5 in their last 10. Flames now 14-11-1 on the season after losing to the Oilers. On Saturday night, Monday night football just underway. Pittsburgh and Cincinnati, no score. I think they're just uh, like one or two plays into the game. Brandon Davidson back with the Oilers. He was uh, asked who his main partner had been on defense in Montreal. It was a bit of mix and match with everybody. Um, there wasn't a set partner for me. Uh, I was a seventh defenseman uh, in and out, so um, that changed uh, quite a bit. Um, I got some ice time with uh, Jordy Ben, though. Um, would have been uh, more of uh, the steady partner I would have had, but uh, really uh, can't put it on one guy. There was lots of guys. I know you haven't been gone that long, but where's your game at compared to when you were traded? Um, you know what? I'm, uh, I've, been, I've been sitting out for a while here now. 
Um, I feel really good about myself. Um, I feel comfortable. I feel like my confidence is, uh, has been growing. Um, I really just need to get on the ice and have some ice time. Um, I do feel that uh, I'm, I'm stronger. I'm happier. Um, you know, I'm really ready to just uh, pick up where I left off and, and even even push further, see where I can go with this. I would think if you look at Wednesday's game, there's a greater chance Brandon Davidson plays than Nathan Walker, though that also depends on Adam Larson's health. We'll see if he practices tomorrow. Elvis is online too. Good evening, Elvis. Hey, Reed, how you doing, buddy? Doing quite well. Awesome. You know, I was listening to. I've been listening to the show, and I've been listening to callers and and uh, di- different people and stuff like that. It's, it's always a great show, but it, it just baffles me that. You know, with the with the Cam Talbot and people wanting to mail the check in on him and this and that, and as far as I'm concerned, nobody knows out there how long he's had this injury, how long it's been affecting him. Uh, everybody knows that when you when you leave your position and someone comes in, that could be the last time you could play it because that guy could turn out to be turn out to win win a job. And everyone says you don't want to lose a job to to injury, and I I don't think it would happen. But can't. But you just never know. But it does happen goalies, all the time. It does happen yeah. all the time, even though you like to believe it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. And these goalies are a special type of people when it comes to the psyche. I hear. I don't know that for sure. So I I think he'll come back, and I think it was an injury that was nagging him. I think he'll come back, and I think he'll he'll be really really uh, aggressive, and he'll have uh, he'll have something just to prove to these people that are ready to cash him in you know and i remember i remember when they were trading when they were were offering to trade from uh a friend of mine told me that he really didn't want to come to alberta and i didn't know if i believed that or not and i heard someone talking about it probably about two weeks ago on one of the tv uh sports tv shows and uh you know i don't know like it's it's people the other night when i was listening to you and those guys were saying that you, you guys are weak broadcasters because we're the market or whatever that was one guy that was serious gourd that was yeah, one and guy you know what? I, that, that was so full that, that guy needs to do his research your guys are in one of the toughest markets because we love our team so much i mean 10 years no playoffs and we're and we're still calling in and getting upset and yeah, i mean you 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 guys get tossed to the the wolves every night like a when the Oilers lose and I listen to you guys, you and Rob, I'm just like, oh my God, I wouldn't want to be those guys tonight. They're they're in for uh, well, a heck of an evening. I, I don't feel, I don't feel like there's any wolves chasing me, Elvis. But I do appreciate the call, buddy. Thanks. Just well, just one more thing, Reed, okay. really quickly. Uh, and Brandon Davidson, everybody needs to chill, man. Just like I heard you say that maybe people overrated him, or you because he went on such a good run. That that kid is just a great story, being a survivor and everything. It's it's hats off to that guy. All right. Uh, you know, battling cancer. Have yeah, a great night. Sure. Appreciate it, Elvis. Thanks for calling. 780-496-0063. Talbot, 917 his first year as an oiler. 919 last year. 903 save percentage this season. McClellan did say that he, uh, McClellan said that Talbot originally had a little bit of this upper body tweak that Wednesday game against Detroit. Then he was sick for the game against Buffalo felt better, came back and played against Boston, then played against Arizona, and then the upper body tweak flared its uh, ugly nostrils again. And that's why we we are where we're at. He's going to be out at least another week. Rob on line three. Hey, Rob. Hey, how are you? Thanks, Thanks for uh, taking my call. Uh, the goaltending situation, do you think any of it has to do with the goaltending coach? Uh, I don't know about that because Schwartz has been here a few years, and he was the goalie. He was the goalie coach here last year. So, 
I know people bring that up, but I mean, I, like if there's a good relationship between player and coach, I, I don't see why it would yeah. sour to that extent, or or uh, or a coach would do anything that different over yeah. the summer so that, that watching, was working. Like I would, I watched Talbot now watching Bassois, and they both kind of have the same tendencies. Like they go down early, they're deep in their net. Um, you know, I don't know if it's confidence yep, no. or if it's just the way. He teaches, right? I think it's the way he teaches, Rob, and I, I honestly think it's the way a lot of goalies are taught now. You know, I don't know if you heard Kelly a couple weeks ago, Kelly Rudy, but he said, I asked him about that, and he said, I don't think it's a Talbot issue. He goes, I think that's the way goalies are taught now. They leave, they tend to drop, they leave the, the high shot open. You know, he if Kelly feels around the league, there are too many short side goals. No, I'm not you know, letting Brassois off the hook because those shouldn't go in on uh, on Saturday. But yeah, I think there's a tendency now, that's how goalies are coached. Like, make yourself big, take up as much as the net as you can, play the percentages, and if a guy, it's almost like if a guy makes a perfect shot, they'll shrug their shoulders and say, well, I'll give you that one. Yeah. Well, like the, But it's a good question. The, like the Toronto, uh, one of the power play goals by Nylander, he was down before he even released the puck, and like it, he just blew it over his shoulder, and he just kind of shrugged after it went in. I'm thinking, well, if he's out a little more, standing up a little more, then it hits him. Well, I think, yeah, I think maybe for him on that one, he may be out a little more. And how often when Talbot has been playing well, it almost looks like he's right on top of the guy when the shooter's right. taking the shot, right? So maybe, maybe more so than whether or not they're dropping down, it's how quickly you could read the play and get out on it because I also think Rob when Talbot's playing well and you're you obviously watch it sounds like a large majority of the games if not all of them how often when Talbot is playing well is he almost looks like he's a step ahead of the play right and he just right. swallows he's up the puck up and his yeah. angles are right and and then you don't notice that he's going down because he's so on top of the shooter he just swallows the puck but oh, Wednesday's game will be a big tell. Well, if Persuade doesn't play well, then something's going to have to happen. Yeah. And now they're they're at forty nine contracts. So what's going to happen there? Well, I know. I mean, and I, I, I know it's tough because are you going to trade? Like, who wants Euro Pocker in it? Right? Who really? Who's dying to acquire him yeah. for a back to give you a, to give you a goalie? I don't know. Right. And and they picked this guy from Washington, and it sounds like. You know, is he going to play? Well, if he's not going to play, then why did they pick him up? Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't think he's going to play Wednesday, but yeah, we'll see. Thanks, Rob. All right, thanks, Reed. All right, quick timeout. More Oilers chat later on in the show. This is going to be fun when we get back. NHL, or pardon me, football, not, not NHL, football coaching legend, now in the CFL, but he's coached in the NFL as well. June Jones is going to join us. June Jones has been coaching football since 19. 19- 83. He took over as the Hamilton Tiger Cats interim head coach during this past season, and the Tiger Cats turned it around, though they still weren't able to make the playoffs. Well, today the Tiger Cats naming June Jones the permanent head coach of the team. June, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Well, I'm doing good, Reed. I hope uh, hope it's nice and warm up there. I'm in Honolulu at the moment. Oh my goodness! Well, it it's it's warm for this time of year, but I doubt it's anywhere compared to Honolulu. Let me put it this way, June: <laughs> you could not golf in Edmonton today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, what's what's the coldest it gets in Honolulu? I mean, probably not that cold, I would guess. So actually, when I got here about ten days ago. 
I got off the plane and it was 59 degrees, and I and it was about as cold as I've ever felt it. Uh, and now it's back to about 75 and and beautiful. Okay, well, I'm just quickly doing a conversion because we're at minus three Celsius today, which is quite nice. Uh, the ground is snow. The ground is snow covered. I mean, if it were uh, so, we're looking at about uh, we'd be about 28 Fahrenheit. I want to say if I'm doing that right. So, so there you go. A little bit of a difference. <laughs> uh, beautiful. What's the What's the coldest you've ever coached or played a football game in June? Well, actually, um, uh, they claim the Green Bay game with uh, Dallas Cowboys was coldest, but we played in 59 below in Green Bay in 1990, uh, 19, 1990 uh, Barry Sanders' uh, second year. And that was as cold as I've ever been. So how did you keep warm? Or were you in a booth? <laughs> Well, I, I tried to stay warm as I could in pregame warm-up, then went to the booth. Okay. <laughs> so so you got to be a little more comfortable then. That's not bad. June, <laughs> thanks thanks for coming on tonight, and congratulations on um, having the interim tag removed. You're now the uh, head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. June, man, i got to ask you about this last season. I mean, you came in partway through when, when you took over as head coach. The team was 0-8, and you were able to go 6-4. and Tell me how you were able to help turn it around a bit there. Well, it uh, it was very interesting. One of the more difficult uh, things I've ever done. I've kind of been every job it seems like I've had has, has been in that condition, but I usually got six months to kind of, you know, get ready to go play your first game. And and uh, obviously we were already into the season 0-8. And, and so, you know, I, I just uh, did the things that I normally do, try to change the uh, – the culture of the whole place and, and make it a, a, a we uh, group instead of a me group. And, uh, you know, I'm just a firm believer that team success has to be prerequisite to personal success or you're never going to be as good as you can be. And so I, I you know, obviously got them convinced that, that we got to change a lot of things internally not just the X's and O's, but but the attitude in the locker room, the attitude on the field, why we do the things we do. And so I was able to get those things across. Well, it certainly made a difference, I guess, probably from an Eskimos perspective. Uh, a lot of fans are glad we didn't have to play you guys after you took over because uh, the Eskimos got a couple early season victories over Hamilton. You know, you, you've been playing and coaching a long time, and I know you, you were in the CFL earlier in, in your career. Give me your perspective. Is coaching in the CFL different than coaching NCAA or coaching NFL, or fundamentally do you feel like you're doing the same types of things? Well, fundamentally I feel like it's the same thing, although the game is so much different. There's so, more, there's so many more rules. Uh, the personnel stuff is different. You know, uh, The ratio stuff is different. But the, the, once you're on the football field, the same things that are successful – in uh, college and, and in the National Football League are the same things that are successful in the CFL. Um, and, you know, I uh, I really, after, you know, I mean, I, I really enjoyed it in 1986 when I was with Ottawa. Uh, I loved uh, the CFL when I played in 82. And so it came back to me real quick uh, uh, about the advantages offensively you have with the size of this field. So um, that made it kind of fun to, you know, to be a part of and fun to tweak things and, and make things better. And I think we're, we'll be better next year, too, because I have a whole offseason to kind of tweak them again. 
Tell me a little bit about Jeremiah Mazzoli. This was a guy who was briefly an Edmonton Eskimo earlier in his career, and he seemed to really flourish there in the second half of the season. What made him uh, successful and allowed him to grow as a quarterback? Well, I think a lot of the things that we do offensively, uh, when when I say we, uh, Miles, myself, and and the, the concepts of, of what we do are different than uh, any other system. And uh, pretty much every quarterback I've ever had has had their best uh, seasons uh, within the concepts of our offense. And so I think it became uh, repetitious for, for Jeremiah. He uh, wanted to get better. He wanted to learn it. He had to learn a whole different way of reading the coverages, uh, executing the plays than he'd been used to. And uh, he just kept getting better and better every week. I, I believe he's a big-time player. I'm glad you mentioned uh, Mouse Davis. And, it, June, we, before we were uh, on air, I mentioned you're someone I've been reading about as a, as a sports fan and a football fan pretty much all my life. So I get a chance to talk to you. And your name... It has often been associated with a, a type of offense called the run and shoot. Is that still a, a, a term that, that you use? You know, is that still relevant when talking about your philosophy, or is that kind of something that maybe was relevant in the past, but now it's evolved into totally something else? I think it was relevant in the past, probably, but even then in the past, it was like nothing that anybody did. We're, you know, the concepts uh, now that we introduced, you know, in the early 80s to professional football, uh, now those concepts are run by pretty much everybody uh, everywhere, including teams in the CFL. I think that, you know, we go a little bit further and give the receivers and the quarterbacks a little bit more freedom uh, to do things. Uh, but I think that what we do conceptually has been copied and copied by everybody. In fact, I watched the New England Patriots, uh, watched them again this past week, and pretty much everything they do are concepts that were Ted Marchabrota's or Mouse's concepts. And so uh, it's kind of, you know, makes me feel good that we had an impact in the game. I, that's, real, that's really cool, June. So for... You know, people who are football fans but maybe have never, you know, played the game, they like to watch on TV and hear what the commentators say. And I'm not asking you to open up your playbook. But but if there's, if, if I'm watching an NFL or a CFL game, and I, what what will I see a quarterback or receiver do that will tip me off that, okay, he's running this evolution of what the run and shoot was in, in the early 80s? Is there something that, you know, the average fan could, could pick up on that might help him or her enjoy the game a bit more? Well, it's hard. It's hard if you don't see the whole, uh, you know, picture of the whole thing. But by and large, pretty much the route adjustment, the route changes versus the coverage. Like for example, uh, I saw two uh, this weekend, and I just I laughed. In fact, I called the Dan Morrison. I said, "Did you just see that play?" I said, "They're running army. What should we call army?" And, and it was a, a touchdown by, uh, I want to say, uh, um, Houston or somebody ran it. And, and so, because uh, he's living down in Texas. And then, you know, the, the uh, ability to run a curl route over the middle or take it down the middle of the field, it goes cover two. All those uh, things are pretty much uh, universal now. But back in the early 80s, even late 70s, nobody was doing those type of conversions, you know, converting the route versus what the defense plays. And so we do a lot of that with our kids, and and that's why we had a lot of success. Can it take a long time for the 
Well, let me let me word that differently. How, how do you work on it so you make sure the quarterback and the receiver are on the same page during a game and once a play actually starts? Well, you do. That's what you do in practice. I mean, it's all repetition. Mm-hmm. Uh, you show them over and over and over and over. We don't have a ton of plays because one play might look like four routes. Uh, you know, so you you just got to get them to read the coverage the same. And once you get them to read the coverage the same, uh, you know, they might catch a post this time. They might catch an out this time. It's the same play to them, but the reason they ran an out was the coverage was different. And so it, it's it's. You know, it's it's a pretty pretty cool way to uh, get the ball up and down the field. Yeah, I, I love that kind of strategy talk. That's really cool. June Jones, June Jones joining us on Inside Sports. Now the uh, permanent head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, coached them to a six and four record on an inter basis last season. I'm going to throw a couple uh, at you here, June. Who is the most talented offensive player you've ever coached? Um, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go two parts on that. Um, one, Deion Sanders, um, and he's a defensive player. But uh, I watched him his second year. I was there in 1991. In fact, this right after the Saints game uh, this, this week, they're going to have a uh, – NFL Network has a special on our 1991 team, which was incredible, and Deion was a part of that. I was the first one to switch into wide receiver. And uh, I, I did that because he had a, a – listen to this now. He had been returning punts, kickoffs, and uh, uh, playing defensive back. And every three times he touched the ball, he scored a touchdown. And those are, that's the hardest way to score is on those three deals. So I remember going to Jerry. I said, Jerry, let me teach Dion a couple routes. And uh, so I put him on offense. And uh, it was late in the year, and he caught seven passes and four for touchdowns. And uh, I, I, I said, if I had a whole year with this guy, nobody would ever cover him. Uh, and then he ended up scoring and signing with uh, San Francisco after after that game, uh, after that season. But he probably was the most gifted, most talented player I've ever been around. The best receiver, most gifted player um, that you know was incredible in what we did was a guy named Andre Risen, and I know he oh. played up here in Toronto years back but he he was uh had the best hands the best separation and when you gave him the freedom to make these decisions i'm given he, he was pretty incredible he caught 22 passes over 100 balls for me uh pretty much every year he played for me and i would say that he was the most talented oh awesome yeah two guys i i definitely remember we could go on longer i would like to anyway but i know you got a busy day of doing these because uh it's a big day for you and the hamilton tiger cats i hope we can catch up again enjoy your uh, off season in hawaii and i'll probably talk to you whenever hamilton and edmonton are scheduled next season reed enjoyed it and i'll look forward to talking to you again Right on. June Jones, interim tag removed, head coach of the Hamilton Tiger Cats. What a life in football he's had. I Too many questions I wanted to ask him. But how about that Deion Sanders, perhaps the most talented player he has ever coached. Well, this is going to be fun. When we get back, we launch Enforcers Week on Inside Sports. Brent Gogol holds the Western Hockey League single-season record for penalty minutes in a season. He's coming up. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. 
Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the great white north and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.